so we're going to take a walk this morning together, a walk through one of the most well-known and beloved psalms or passages of scripture, but it's Psalm 23. It's a favorite psalm used at weddings and funerals and everything in between. But it's more than just a sentimental poem. It provides a vision of our daily life, our daily walk with God, that we can trust him, that he looks after us. And in fact, that God invites us to his banquet table. It gently challenges us, like a little sheep kind of nudging, challenges us to think about where is, where is our trust? Is it in ourselves or is it in God? And it challenges us to put our trust and our faith in God in our daily walk, following and worshipping him. Now, no doubt many of us are very familiar with this psalm and you think, oh, here we go, Psalm 23, ho-hum, I heard this one before. And sometimes we can be so familiar with it that it just becomes, you know, ordinary. It doesn't seem to offer anything new to us. Or for some of you, this may be new. You may never have heard of Psalm 23 before. But I hope that, you know, it won't just be a couple of stories about some sheep, but you'll find something that will touch your heart, that God will speak to you in a new way that you'll be encouraged and that you will accept that participation to feast in a deeper way at God's banqueting table that he offers for us. Modern life is overwhelming and at times it can be overwhelming in multiple ways. But this psalm invites us to be overwhelmed with the goodness of God. This psalm invites us and reminds us of God's goodness, his provision, and his, most importantly, his presence with us. Because at the heart of Psalm 23 is a testimony. It's a testimony of a, of a person within a community who, and, and they express their full confidence in God. They express their full, they testify to the goodness of God. But what's interesting is that they don't deny that there are challenges in life. They don't deny that problems happen, that things get thrown at us that cause us to, to doubt or to fear. It doesn't dismiss them, but it says, through every step of the way, God's presence is with me. God provides his presence and that's all that matters. God provides his presence and that makes all the difference in our lives. So this psalm helps us to know God, to experience God in fresh ways. And I hope that that's what happens this morning. So let's focus our attention on God, who is compared in this psalm to in two different ways. First of all, to a shepherd. And secondly, God is compared to a generous host, someone who invites us to his banquet table and says, come, feast, eat. Now, after COVID, getting together for a banquet sounds pretty good, doesn't it? We've been isolated, but now God is saying, come to my table and feast on me. Feast on this banquet table that I have prepared. And of course, this psalm speaks prophetically of Jesus Christ. So we're going to walk through this psalm together. And it begins a psalm of David. Of course, this psalm is connected to the, the great hero of the Bible, who was both a shepherd in his vocation, a shepherd that was his job. 
It was a lowly job. It wasn't, sometimes I think we kind of elevated a bit uh, in our minds, but it was a dirty, smelly, low job. You know, people didn't necessarily want to be shepherds or hang around with shepherds much, but it was an important role for the economy. The, the Israelite economy at that time, it was really on the sheep's back, a little bit like Australia in the early days, I guess. But David was also the shepherd of Israel. He was a shepherd boy, plucked from that sheepfold because he worshipped God and had a heart for God. And God took him from that sheepfold and put him as the shepherd over the people. He became their king and he became their leader. And so he shepherded the people. And actually the idea of a shepherd, the king is a shepherd, uh, the leader is a shepherd, was well known in the ancient Near East. Majority of the, the kings in the ancient world described themselves as shepherds of their people. And certainly David understood himself as a shepherd of the people. And yet that David, that shepherd boy, that shepherd king, looked to God as his shepherd. And the first words out of the mouth of this shepherd is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This psalm from the outset, it's about God. The Lord, the first word, Yahweh. But it's not just about God, it's about God and the person, God and me, God and you. Now we're part of a flock, it's God and me in, with all of us, God and you with all of us. The sheep isn't on its own, a sheep is part of a flock, but yet each sheep is known. Each sheep, there's a personal relationship between the shepherd and each one of the followers, the sheep that it looks after. And so while it's, this is personal, this psalm, it's not just about us alone. But we see that the first thing we notice in this psalm, that God is connected by relationship. His name is Yahweh, the Lord. That name in the Old Testament is the, the name that God uh, revealed to Moses at the burning bush. You might have read that story in Exodus or seen the movie where that appears. But that revelation of who God is and that name Yahweh, it's almost, uh, you know, impronounceable, it's, it's unknown. It is that the name literally means I am who I am. Uh, I am that I am. I am who I am. And it reflects the nature of who God is. And it reflects the nature that God is everlasting. God is eternal. And we'll come back to that in a moment. But it's a personal name. It's a covenant name because God uses that name for Moses and the Israelites and says, when you know me, this is my name. This is my personal name that I share with you. It's not uh, like a, a king, you know, you must refer to me as king um, or, you know, you must refer to me as reverend professor. It's no, it's the personal name. This is a personal relationship between the shepherd and those that he loves. But what we see in this psalm it's, is that it's presented, it's a testimony from the perspective of the sheep. It's the sheep who's testifying to the goodness of the shepherd. It's from their perspective. Now, I have to admit, I don't have much experience of sheep. I feel a little bit un-Australian, actually, that I don't have a sheep story to, to share. But I have a puppy. <laughs> and this puppy is a little dachshund, and his name's Earl Grey. And actually, he turns six months old tomorrow. So he shares a half birthday with Pastor Sean. <laughs> but this little puppy will sometimes sit on my, mat, on my lap and look at, up at me with the most adoring eyes, 
because I'm its shepherd. I'm its owner. I'm its, I'm its person. I look after this puppy. And it's particularly adoring if I'm holding a, you know, a smacker, a smacker or a little treat next to my face. So it's, of course, staring longingly at my face. But this is the, the story of the sheep that, that stared, that looks longingly at the shepherd. And it knows and it trusts that shepherd. It adores the shepherd. And the shepherd adores the sheep. But one thing about sheep is that I was thinking about all the different characteristics of sheep and to summarise it, I kind of came up with the word is little. Sheep, in a sense, in particularly in comparison to the shepherd, are little. Now, when I was driving here, I looked out and I saw all these sheep near Lake Albert and thought, hmm, they're not so little. <laughs> they're pretty hefty, woolly, <laughs> woolly, woolly animals. They'd be a bit hard to lift. But they are still little in the sense that they're little in both their capacity to think. Sheep are known for being docile and not really uh, good at making decisions. Uh, they just follow the flock, don't they? But sheep are also little in their capacity to look after themselves. They have to be led to the pasture. They have to be led to food. They need someone else to look after them because they have no natural ability to protect themselves from predators. These sheep are little in their capacity, but they have everything they need. The testimony of this sheep that is little in comparison uh, to the, the shepherd is, I shall not want. I have everything that I need. And it's not because the sheep has a capacity to provide all these things itself. It's because the shepherd has that capacity for the sheep. And this psalm emphasises the difference between the shepherd and the sheep. Jumps between God and us. The name of God, I am who I am. God is eternal. God is all sufficient. God doesn't need food or air or water. In fact, God doesn't even need this world or us. God is eternal. He exists uh, forever and ever. He always was, he is, he is to come. He's not finite like us and like sheep who are born and will die, who have a very a fragile existence in, in a sense. God is not like us at all. God is all sufficient. And it's because God is all sufficient, we have all the sufficiency we need. Not because of we, can, we can't provide our own air. We can't manufacture all the things that we need. God provides our very breath. God provides everything that we need. God lacks nothing. And therefore, because our shepherd, our God lacks nothing, then he expresses that. He offers that. He invites us to partake of his fullness. He invites us to partake of his sufficiency so that we can declare along with the psalmist, I lack nothing. And then the, the psalmist goes on to describe all the ways that they lack nothing. They, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I lack nothing. It's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? You're kind of waiting for the but at the end. I lack nothing, but a great car would be nice. I lack nothing, but my kids to be well behaved. I lack nothing, but... You know, for these things to all fall into place. It's so easy to put 
qualifications on this, isn't it? It's so easy to say, oh, I lack nothing but, you know, and be dissatisfied with what, uh, in a sense, what God has provided for us. Or to look always kind of longingly, not at the face of God, but all the other things that distract us. I lack nothing. There are no buts. And then the sheep, the, the testimony of the sheep is to, to go on and describe the different ways that God has provided. God has provided an abundant and a good life for this sheep. And that becomes because that's the very nature of God. All these things that God is providing flow out of his very character, his very essence and his very nature. And he, just, and he invites us to come and join in, to know him, to not just hang out every now and then on a Sunday, but to know him in our daily walk. Because a sheep walks with the shepherd every day. The sheep eats with the shepherd every day. The sheep drinks with the shepherd every day. And this is a daily invitation for us to walk with God and know his goodness. The sheep lack nothing because the shepherd, out of his character, it overflows into everything that he provides for them. The goodness, the grass to lie down on, the stream that they won't be carried away by the, the, the torrent of the water, but he leads them gently to streams and he causes them to lie down and to rest. God wants to, for us to know his goodness, to know his rest, to know his peace, that we'll be satisfied. The world longs for satisfaction, doesn't it? commodities, all these things it offers. You know, advertising is created to make us be dissatisfied with what we have. We're always being told, want more. If you do this, your life will be better. If you do this, if you search for yourself, you will find yourself. Do, if you buy this, you'll have a better life. If you do this, you'll be happy. Those things don't provide happiness. Probably all of us have a bit of a testimony of how we've searched for satisfaction in different areas and come up empty. But God says, I am the one. I am the one who provides fullness of life. I am the one who provides the pastures for you. I am the one and it's my presence with you that makes the difference. Because God leads the sheep into rest and he leads them to good pastures. Now, as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't mean then that we have no problems in life. It doesn't mean that we have no challenges. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths in his name's sake. We can trust God to guide us. Sometimes, especially young people who are trying to work out, what am I meant to do? Where are my gifts? Uh, what, what course should I do? What job should I do? We get anxious about where am I leading? What path should I follow? The shepherd and all the testimony of the sheep is you can trust the shepherd with your life decisions. You can trust the shepherd uh, to lead you in those right paths. And if you're going down the wrong path, you can trust him to call you back uh, and put you back on that right path. And so he leads me in right paths, doing the right thing, the right time for his namesake. Again, God leads us into the right way because that's the very nature and essence of God. He is eternal. He is self-sufficient. He is kind. He is loving. And he 
loves to guide us. And he loves to pour out his, his joy, his presence with each one of us. But again, it doesn't mean that we don't face any challenges. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even when, you know, we prefer to stay on the nice green grass and the sunshine, don't we? But sometimes we go through dark valleys. The Bible doesn't promise us that we'll never have any problems. But when we do, God's presence is with us. His comfort is with us. We prefer to stay in the sunshine, but in the, in the, the shadowiest of shadows is what this psalm says. God is with us. And so when we go through these difficult times, we know that we don't have to fear. There's so much to fear, isn't it? In our world, we get bombarded with messages of fear all the time. We fear interest rate rises. We fear job loss. We fear uh, sickness. We fear all these different things that might confront us, all these challenges we face. And yet the sheep is confident. It's serene that as they walk through those challenges, as they walk through those dark places, that God is with them. They're not alone. They shepherd God, God the one who loves them, God the one who made them, is there with them in the valleys and he doesn't abandon us to the shadows but is there with us 100%. The psalmist says, you are with me, God. Even if others abandon us, God is with us. Psalm 118 verse 6 says, the Lord is for me, I do not fear. And so this sheep is unafraid. Pretty courageous, isn't it? This sheep, the sheep that, you know, struggles to think <laughs> is unafraid. This sheep is trusting in God. And of course, the, the, the rod and, and the staff and, and symbols of God's presence, uh, God's protection in our lives helps us as we travel along. The first Christian said of Jesus, He is our good shepherd. When they prayed this psalm, they understood that it referred to Jesus, who is from the lineage of David, is a shepherd king, and they identified him as our good shepherd. And Jesus says directly in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. One of the, the stories of Jesus that I love is in, in John chapter 6, where he gathers the, the people are on their way to the Passover festival, and they've come to, you know, made a bypass to hear Jesus speak, but they have no food. And Jesus says to the disciples, well, you know, let's, let's feed them. And they were like, it would cost us six months wages just for everyone to have a, a little bite to eat. How are we going to provide? And Jesus says, watch this. And he takes what a little boy has bought, the loaves and the fishes, and he multiplies it because that's the nature of God. God is self-sufficient. God is eternal. God is in, into abundance. God is into fruitfulness. And Jesus multiplied these loaves and these fishes so everyone had something to eat and was satisfied. And he got them to sit down on the grass and then he taught them. And he taught them of the God's kingdom, of God's reign, of the coming future that he had as the Messiah, that he would go to the cross and die for their sins. And that he would be a shepherd that would lay down his life for the sheep. As the good shepherd, 
Jesus provides everything we need for our salvation and we can trust in him. In 2015, I resigned from the position I had at that time at at the college uh, where I am now back, I've boomeranged back (laughs) to working there. Uh, I resigned from my position because I felt the Lord was leading me into missions work. And I travelled to, to Turkey and I joined a church plant. Now, my first week of being in Turkey, uh, so we were kind of, I was introducing myself to people and getting to know them. And we had a Bible study that week. And the lady said to me, um, just have your dinner at home and then come to the Bible study. It's about 7pm we start. Okay. So I arrive. I've dutifully had dinner. And I arrive and they said, because there's only be a few snacks there. I arrive and there is a table (laughs) heavy with bowls and bowls of food because Turkey is a hospitality culture. You can't just, not like in Australia, if I had a group over, I'd pull out the packet of Tim Tams. Actually, in in our household, we always had a a sacred packet of biscuits in the Tupperware cupboard up the top, and they were the visitor biscuits. And uh, if a visitor came, we would whip out. And even if there were 20 people and 10 Tim Tams, well, they're the visitor biscuits. And we weren't allowed to have them. It's the visitors first. And um, these visitor biscuits, were, were it was in the Tupperware cupboard, so it was protected by a wall of Tupperware. If you opened the cupboard, it would fall on you and everyone, it was like an alarm system. And so that was hospitality to me. But here in Turkey, hospitality means a whole other thing. And there there was food galore. I don't think I'd ever seen a table covered with so much food. And they said, oh, that's just the snacks. And then they brought out the soup. (laughs) And then they brought out, you know, chicken and meat and salads. And and I'm like, hang on. Haven't I already had dinner? It was a banquet because we were meeting together. Because people were coming from work and they they hadn't had dinner and so we were supplying their needs. We were having a banquet because we were going to meet together and really meet together. Not just a, how was your week? Good, good, okay, okay, let's get on to the study. We met. We ate for three hours. We sat at that table and we talked. I had a trans, someone translating for me and we talked and I heard all about their families. I heard all about their life stories. I heard all about their kids. I heard all about you know, the auntie that lives in another part of the country. I heard all, we met and we talked and we, I, we got deep <laughs> in our talking. We had a few laughs as well. Had someone shared a couple of jokes, but we talked and we talked and we ate and we ate and we were together. And I realised this is hospitality, not my packet of Tim Tams. And when I read Psalm 23, this is what it's talking about. When it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. God prepares a banquet for us. We've moved on from sheep, so don't get confused with the previous image of sheep. I know that there's some sort of um, different commentaries that might talk about anointing sheep to, with oil to keep the flies off. That's nice. But we've, we've now moved on to a different concept. God is the shepherd. Now God is the hospitality, the host, offering us hospitality. And at that table, He invites us to share. He invites us to partake of the richness, a feast of, and feast in His presence. 
Because hospitality and, and feasting and banqueting, it's not about the food, although the food's nice, it's pleasurable food, it has wine here in this psalm, uh, there's, you know, it's pleasurable. But the point is presence. The point is that we are there. We are attentive. We are in the moment. And we are in the moment getting deep with one another and we are sharing our hearts and our lives. And there's a bond that forms as we eat and we share that cannot be broken. Someone who was a stranger. I was a stranger that night and I became family. And what I discovered about Turkey is that for many of the believers there, when they chose to follow Christ, their families rejected them. And so they, their family said, you are not our son. You are not our daughter anymore. They had no family. But when they joined the feast and fellowship of the church together, they became family. And so who was our enemy? A stranger, someone unknown, came, became family. And I had the, the great privilege of going with a, a, a Turkish friend. She'd been told by her parents that she was not welcome in their house anymore. They lived in another, another city. And slowly she began to reconcile with them. And I had the great privilege of travelling with her to her family. And they put on a feast to welcome her back to the family. And again, she was an enemy. I was a stranger. But at this feast, at this banquet, we became friends. We became family. And this is what God invites you to. He invites you to this banquet. Now, you may already be a believer. Most of you are. You may already be following God. But what this banquet invites us to is a deeper and a richer relationship with God. If we want to know ourselves more, if we want to be our full selves, we become fully, most fully who we are when we're most full of the divine life when we're most full from this banquet of God. And God invites us to this banquet table. Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, at a banquet, took the bread and wine and he said, this is my body broken for you. This is the blood of the new covenant, the blood that I will shed on that cross so that you can banquet with me, you can banquet with God at any time. You can banquet and feast with me. You can be satisfied. You can know fullness of joy. You can know true salvation through me because Jesus becomes the banquet for us and he invites us to participate in this celebration of the salvation that he offers. And he points to a banquet to come, uh, the banquet, the grand feast, the wedding feast that we'll celebrate in the age to come. And he offers this. And he says, come, come feast, come to a deeper life, be attentive. Because what do we do at banquets? We're welcomed and we know that we are welcomed. If you feel lonely, if you are dissatisfied, come to the banquet. You're a believer, come to the banquet. We see at the banquet, there is goodness and mercy. As the psalm concludes, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're invited to dwell forever 
in the presence of God, that we would enter that divine life. We would enter the, the, the self-sufficiency of God. We would enter and we would know God in a deeper way because at that banquet, friendships are formed. Family is formed. Our knowledge of God, our joy in God's presence becomes deeper every day. As we're attentive to God in our everyday walk, as we're attentive to God in our daily lives, we see we feast at this banquet. And this, so, so this psalm invites us to join with God into a deeper life, that we can trust Him, but not just we can, He provides things for us, He provides good things, uh, and He's with us in challenging times, but He provides His presence. And He says, come, come and feast, feast on who I am, and enjoy my presence and it will flow like wine. It'll, and it's the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. Come and join. Mm-hmm.